Welcome to this podcast with me, Rabbi Neil James. A chance for us to reflect through the cycle of the Torah reading on life, on living well, on living with purpose. And this week, I, it's Parashat Noach this week. Uh, actually, it's my Hebrew name is Noach. And I've been thinking almost obsessively about the moment at which Noah enters the ark with his family. So Genesis 7 verse 13, that same day as the rain starts falling, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham and Yafet, went into the ark with Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons. And the moment when they leave, which, is, which happens somewhat later, Noah is commanded in Genesis 8 verse 15 by God, Come out of the ark, leave, get out from the ark, you and your wife, your sons and your the wives of your sons with you. These moments of entering into the ark and of leaving the ark, and in particular then I was caught up in a circularity of thinking about over and over again, Verse 6 of chapter 8. At the end of 40 days, it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Now, of course, the word for window in this place is chalon. And earlier on, we're told that Noah makes a tzohar. He's commanded by God to make a tzohar. And the rabbis debate whether these are the same thing. Genesis 6, 16 and uh, Genesis 8, 6, whether the chalon and the tzohar are the same thing. I found this beautiful midrash that said the chalon described in Genesis 8, verse 6. This is a Yalamdenu midrash, I think found and edited together by Jacob Mann, I think from a Geniza fragment, that the window that Noah opened on the ark was a special window that enabled him to see or anyone who looked through it to see from one end of the world to another had this this mystical power and the reason why I've been thinking about this so much is as I'm sure everybody else has been thinking and reflecting on the coronavirus pandemic and the way in which the tears are now coming into play in our lives the nature of the gradual retreat into the shells of our homes and the the fragility of the relationships that we that we have the dependence we have on social interaction and what that means to us is gradually being put under greater scrutiny once again because whilst we the functional relationships of going to school and learning or going to work and making money for the economy are being in some sense enforced or guaranteed or assured by the regulations in the UK at the same time the the inessential can we say that they're inessential i'm not that's definitely not the right word but it from the from the terms of non-functional non-utilitarian relationships that we have with people around us the connections that we build are once again being compressed in some way and we're being squeezed from having them because of the need to contain the virus so i i'm thinking my mother who was at risk or my grandmother who was at risk when lockdown was first in place basically had no human interaction no no physical contact 
for days, months. My grandmother's only, the only physical contact she had was with her carer. And so, and my mother's as well. And we're once again finding the pressure on our relationships are being, is being exerted again. And I am seeing how this is causing anxiety amongst people. People are feeling very unsure, not least because at the same time, they're seeing the longevity of this experience extending and work, employment is is being jeopardized. Livelihoods are at risk uh, and people being able to pay the bills are now the pressure is mounting once again when hope was suddenly declared in the summer now we're feeling feeling the pressure again and my sense is that all of these factors coming together are causing once again uh, anxiety and pressure and strain on if you like the social fabric of our existence so it's obvious i suppose in some respects why i'm thinking about Noah, and i'm sure every other rabbi and commentator and sermon is up and down the country is thinking about Noah being stuck on the ark for all those days and months the sense of loneliness feels very strong and that's why I was drawn so much to the entry of the family onto the ark after the animals have been brought on and that on the same day that the rain starts to fall the the visualization of this moment of a family gradually stepping onto the ark and actually leaving the rest of humanity behind and let's not forget that as well and then the moment at which they leave the ark and what that means too to their experience of life and of the social nature of life and how it would have impacted on this family now the talmud asks an interesting question about the fact that uh, sexual relationships were forbidden on the ark it's, it's in a wider context of a conversation but i'm just going to focus on the little bit from the babylonian talmud sanhedrin 108b asks how do we know that noah and his family were forbidden from sexual relationships whilst they were on the ark i mean there's a common sense understanding of this which is you know we've all lived in close proximity to other people and intimacy and privacy are difficult to come by one must imagine that on the ark it must have been even harder but the gemara answers this from two verses the first verse is from bereshit 6 verse 18 which reads the part that's relevant uvata elateva that you shall you will come onto or enter into the ark you your sons and your wife and the wives of your sons with you so how do we know that it was prohibited because listen to the verse carefully god is saying to noah you go into the ark you your sons then we get your wife and then we get the wives of your sons the fact that they've been separated out and turned into units of existence of individuals suggest they were no longer in their coupled relationships in the same way that they were when they were not on the ark and how do we know that afterwards it was permitted because listen to the difference in verse uh, in verse 16 of chapter 8 leave the ark you and your wife so when they enter the ark they enter the ark as atomized units of individual lives and when they when they leave the ark they leave as partners once again and rabbi yochanan says 
אמר רבי יוחנן מיכן, אמרו שנעסקו בתשמיש המיטה. From here, uh, um, they say that uh, sex was prohibited whilst they were on the ark. Now I'm less interested in the question of whether sex was prohibited or not uh, for the moment. What interests me actually is the exegetical question of these verses of why the list of of individuals going onto the ark and leaving the ark are as they are. And it seems to me that what the Gemara points us towards and that the the Torah, Genesis, or is really hinting at is in some sense the moment of entering the ark is a moment of individual isolation, loneliness in some respects, and that the human relationships that existed before the flood comes, not only is humanity destroyed, but the what's fundamental to humanity, our human relationships, and of those, the most intimate of the human relationships, are fractured. And it feels to me a little bit like This is part of what society is undergoing at the moment. And I worry for what it's going to do in the long term. And that when the flood has subsided and Noah leaves the ark, leaving aside the... I'm not drawing an illusion between the flood and the pandemic. That's not my intention. And I deliberately don't want anyone to draw that conclusion, theologically or otherwise. But when they leave the ark, what I'm thinking about is the psychology of this experience they gradually start to rebuild units of relation now in uh, in two occasions this week i received in my suggested news feed from google probably knowing what i was reading and what i was thinking about for this parasha uh, suggestions to read uh, essays about hannah arendt and her philosophy Hannah Arendt famously, uh, as a philosopher, wrote a great deal after the Shoah about the nature of totalitarianism. Uh, and that's not really what I want to talk about. I'm not enough of an expert on Hannah Arendt to, to get into her writing and her work. But both of these essays spoke to me. One of them was by Professor Samuel Moyne. And, and actually, that's less important. He just reflects on the fact that Hannah Arendt is at the moment the go-to philosopher to think about the state of politics in the world and the rise of totalitarianism. And he says, actually, that's the wrong, in some respects, the wrong question. Uh, but the other article which really caught my attention was an essay written by Samantha Rose Hill, Professor Samantha Rose Hill, who's the assistant director of the Hannah Arendt Center for Politics and Humanities, who writes an essay about where loneliness can lead. And actually, it's it's part of a wider discourse that's happening, as I say, about Hannah Arendt and political philosophy and the nature of human existence and how it can impact on politics. But in particular, this idea that she draws out for us and that draws our attention to the nature of solitude and isolation and loneliness. And that solitude, to a certain extent, is something that we we require, we need for creativity. But isolation is where we start to see the breakdown in our, um, in our relationships, the dependence on our relationships, and then we get to a state of loneliness. And actually, you can be lonely surrounded by people. Uh, that's not what's at stake. And that out of that loneliness, that, um, that sort of unmooringness of ourselves... The, she she writes in the essay, Samantha 
Rose Hill, Aaron's answer was uh, uh, talking about loneliness. What's the danger of loneliness? Because loneliness radically cuts people off from human connection. She defined loneliness as a kind of wilderness where a person feels deserted by all worldliness and human companionship, even when surrounded by others. And I was thinking about this so much in relation to Noah and the way in which the Torah describes everybody entering the ark, everybody, the one family that's going to survive, entering the ark and being broken down even further into their units of existence. Uh, And then the moment when they leave and they start to rebuild again. And it struck me that those days of waiting until that moment of opening of that window, the chalon, would be interminable. Because at the moment when you're building the ark, you have a purpose. Even whilst you have the sense of impending doom for the rest of the world, at least you have a sense in which you have a purpose and something to be doing that's constructive and engaging. The moment you get on the ark and the rain comes, fundamentally, your job is done until the rain stops and that wait that period of of having nothing but oneself to occupy one's life must have been i'm really i'm very caught up in this world of noah and so that's why the hannah Arendt essays spoke to me so strongly because how do we transcend those difficulties how do we get over the state of our existence as we currently find it in this pandemic And for that, I was drawn to an essay by Jennifer Stitt, who is uh, writing her PhD on US US intellectual history. And is also writing a book about the history of solitude. And in in an essay, she wrote about Hannah Arendt's uh, writing about isolation and solitude. She writes, perhaps the most, uh, she she writes about the the terror, really, of isolation and the perils that it brings with it of leading to loneliness potentially, and then possibly even totalitarianism. And she says, perhaps we might take this moment to remind ourselves of our rootedness in the world, to stop and really think in the way that Arendt encouraged engaged thought in others. Perhaps, she goes on to say, we might enlarge our mental landscapes and begin to inhabit different terrain. Perhaps we might use this time alone to resist loneliness by participating in solitary dialogue with ourselves. Perhaps we might use this time to contemplate the live questions to ask, what do you mean when you say? What do you mean when you do? How can we build a more compassionate, more democratic post-pandemic society? How can we ensure the survival of a world held in common? It seems to me we can spend our time thinking about those very important questions, but what it really points us towards is the fact that we need to retain and to build human connection, even whilst we are in isolation, that we don't need to be drawn into loneliness in our isolation. We can build for afterwards. We can build for the moment when we're able to leave the ark, metaphorically, But we can also find those moments of purpose, those moments at which we open the window, where we find ourselves needing to look out and look beyond our isolation. And there are so many examples of wonderful people doing incredible work, even in these moments uh, of great difficulty. And actually, for those of us who are struggling, for those of you who are struggling with the anxiety of these times, 
Now is the time to remind yourselves of some of the basic tools that you have at your disposal to protect yourself. What are those basic tools? To find things for which you are grateful, to take time to have spiritual reflection, to articulate your gratitude where it's relevant, to do things, small acts, doesn't have to be grand acts, that win you uh, Nobel Prizes or Queen's Honours, but to do small acts for other people. And to try and get some exercise. Those small things can help you rebuild some kind of sense of self, of your own self. Encourage you to build your connections to other people. To share your sense of worth and of purpose in the world. To find those moments where you can open your window, your chalon, and look beyond this uh, small existence that we have all been constrained within and see the world that is out beyond yourself and find a way to connect to it to defeat uh, the isolation that can lead to loneliness and that will also I think help us uh, overcome our sense of anxiety that we have at this time of so much being out of our control so on these thoughts and reflections on Parashat Noah I wish you if you're listening to this before Shabbat a Shabbat Shalom and uh, join me again next week and if you're enjoying the podcast then like it share it Uh, you can encourage others to listen to it uh, and join me again next week thank you and shabbat shalom